0: This is Scotland's
1: Talkin'.
2: Call 0333 20 20 401.
1: Good morning, my name is Rob Waller. I'm sitting in for Ali on Scotland's Talking. Coming up on the programme between now and midday, we're going to be hearing about how you can transform someone's life just by taking a little time to chat to them. We're going to break some of the myths about loneliness because you don't even have to be alone to feel lonely.
3: You can't sit a five-year-old down and say, oh, well, this is how my day went. From half seven to eight o'clock, that shoe left with nothing but the TV for company.
1: She's a 41-year-old mum of four. She's telling us her story. And you know, things are so bad for some people, they're dialling 999
4: just to hear another voice. We do get people that phone us repeatedly just because they want somebody to talk to. And if they know what to say when the phone... 999 then they they do get an ambulance that's the way it works and
1: after 11 I'd like you to join in a conversation we're going to have about dieting with Davey who's a blogger from Inverness he'll tell us about how he finally decided it was time to slim down from 27 stone after a humiliating moment when a comedian threw a half-eaten chocolate bar
5: at him at a black tie dinner I've been fat for half my life I was no stranger to jokes or slider marks about my weight, but I can't remember ever being singled out quite like that. Well, the, the next morning I could still feel the shame and humiliation of the night before, and I promised myself that things were going to change. And bloke. I meant it. Well, the blog's called dinspiration and it's a brutally honest
1: account of a struggle with food addiction and the secret shame of being obese i'd love you to have it join us on the program this morning the number to call is O triple three 2020 401. that was fleetwood mac and dreams they you know we've really made a big impact this week on the station with our take the time campaign on loneliness now The whole idea behind that was to encourage you to think about giving up just a little of your time and spend it with someone who's lonely or someone who's socially isolated. There was a motion even put down in the Scottish Parliament, which has attracted cross-party support. So it's uh, really been heard uh, in the corridors of power this week. Now, right from the start, I want to knock one myth on the head, because this is not just about elderly people. It's not even about just being on your own. So listen to this. We spoke to a woman who's 41 and she's a mum of four but she told Vicky Murray that she feels lonely.
3: The only time you spoke to anybody, another adult, was if you were at school, picking up and dropping off, and then you spent your entire day on your own, and then at night as well, you come in, close the door, and that was you. During school holidays, you could go weeks without actually speaking to another adult. Now, you've got, as you say, you've got the four kids around about you and you've got quite a big family as well and and loads of friends. Did you still find that even when you were seeing them that you still felt lonely? A lot of the time, you don't want to trouble people. You feel that other people have a job, they have their lives, their own families and going and moaning about, oh my god I'm so lonely people don't get it. In hindsight most people probably feel it a wee bit at the same time but I just never bothered to speak to anybody about it. So a house before kids in it? It's not exactly going to be a quiet house it's not, you know, there's going to be loads of conversation, loads of chatter It is, but it's no adult conversation It's not, you can't sit a five year old down and say, oh well this is how my day went. You get the story of what happened at school, who was arguing with who, what they had for their lunch, homework done, bath, bedtime ready for school again. From half seven to eight o'clock that shoe left with nothing but the TV for company. And again, you don't phone people because they have been in all their work or whatever. And you feel as if you phone somebody and you sit there for two hours talking on a phone and all you talk about yourself because you just keep rambling because you've not spoken to anybody.
1: Really makes you think that, doesn't it? I wonder, can you identify with that? Is is that your experience as well? I mean, I totally know what she's talking about from, from having the kids. You know, I've, I've got uh, kids that are five and 10 and sometimes they just talk at you, just don't stop talking at you. But it's it, it's not like sort of, um, you know, conversation that you might get with an adult. You Sometimes you, you can't connect with, with a five year old. Uh, if you want to join the conversation this morning around this, uh, love to hear what, what you've got to think. You can talk about your experiences. Maybe maybe you do something to, to go and help. Maybe there's somebody in neighbor or somebody you know you pop in on regularly, or maybe you would love that to have someone do that to you. Uh, I mean, there are these organizations we're going to find out about uh, during the course of the program this morning, who will match you up with people. It's almost like a kind of dating Uh, Quite fascinating what what they do. We'll we'll hear about that. If you want to take part in the programme, as I say, the phone number is o triple three twenty twenty four zero one. If you want to text, then text ROB, followed by uh, your message to 61054. On the emails, it's rob at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And on Twitter, we're at Scotland's Talkin'. Now, one of the things I heard this week that really made me think was uh, when a paramedic, Chris McLean, told us that some people end up dialing 999 and calling out an ambulance just to have someone
4: to talk to. The thing we find with loneliness is, no matter what age you are, if you're on your own and you don't have people to talk to, if there's something bugging you with regards to your health, however minor it may be, it can play on your mind, it can, you can think the worst, and before you know it, you're phoning 999, asking for an ambulance because, whilst you maybe have a bit of indigestion, you think you're having a heart attack because you don't have somebody to talk to. We end up coming out, and thankfully, m- more times than not, everything's absolutely okay. And we end up sitting, having a chat, trying to get family involved, referrals. Then we've got pathways that we can you know, use for people, and um, get in touch with the appropriate departments to get them the help that they need. Whether that's through social care or even just you know day daycare centres, that kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of uh, avenues that we can use. Um, to get people the help they need, but unfortunately it does occupy a cruise time.
3: I know, because that's a tricky thing, isn't it? You're dealing with people's emotions, people that are just looking for companionship, but your time is precious.
4: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I would never say that these people don't need help. Uh, That's, you know, they clearly do. You know, that's why they've called us in the first place. Um, Unfortunately, an emergency ambulance clearly isn't the right form of care that they need, um, but what we do try to do is to make sure that we can try and get things in place to try and negate the possibility of them phoning again. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, we do get people that phone us repeatedly just because they want somebody to talk to, and um, if they know what to say when they phone nine nine nine, then they also they do get an ambulance. You know, that's the way it works. Um, we do the best that we can with the to, you know, the tools we've got available.
3: And so how often would you say that that would maybe happen?
4: Um, Personally speaking, I would say, you know, it probably happens more often than you would think. Uh, nighttime is obviously generally when it happens because during the day people can go out, they can go to the shops, they can do whatever they want, but at nighttime there's nothing available to them. And especially wow. if they don't drive, for example, you know, they don't have the means to get out and about on their own, so they're sitting in the house at night time thinking, oh, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I don't have anybody to talk to, I feel terrible. Uh, I mean, God forbid, I would hate to be in that situation myself, but uh, they clearly do need the the right kind of support.
1: So that was our senior reporter in Edinburgh there, Hope Webb, talking to Chris McLean. It's quite remarkable, isn't it, you know... Uh, all these uh, emergency services, particularly the ambulance service, so under pressure at the moment and obviously they're doing it, they're doing a vital job. They see it as a wider part of their role, but even so it makes you think about the ambulances that are tied up while they're going to, to see somebody who's just called just purely because they're lonely. And if you talk to the police, they'll tell you exactly the same thing happens to them. You know, emergency services, almost like a, a branch of social services these days, it makes you wonder what we can do about it. We're going to come back in just a couple of moments and we'll have some of your thoughts.
2: You're listening to Scotland's Talkin, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin.
1: Stephen's online from Glasgow. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Good morning. um How are you today? I'm very well. You, you think this is something to do with, with the modern world, I believe. Yeah,
6: the modern world has changed a lot. For young nowadays, because everybody wants to sit in the house and on these tablets, these iPhones, on these televisions, these DVD games. This is what's killed loneliness. You go back to the day when the youngins were all running about, you didn't have this technology, and everybody was happy. I just think society in the modern world. But I that last lady, there's a wee clip there you on know, with the four children.
1: Uh-huh, yeah. I
6: yeah. not believe how she says she's lonely. And she wants adult company because the adult company has got her into trouble. I, mean, I just don't understand these, kind of, these people coming on and saying, "Well, oh, these children." Yeah,
1: you're, you're making a lot of assumptions there, so let's, let's not let's not go down that road, Stephen. But, but it's it's,
6: it's in... age. She's saying that's causing loneliness. It shouldn't cause loneliness because my mother has eight children going way back in the time. And we were never lonely. Yeah, but when... I, I just I just think that technology's moving on and. Children are the are, ones are getting wrapped up in the TV bubbles, but, but technology has got a lot to blame. Big, big business—you know they are the that the young people.
1: And well, it, it's ones a, ones yeah. money. it's an interesting point you're raising. It's interesting what you say because all these social media companies will tell will tell us that they're making us all more connected, but there's lots of evidence well, that actually it makes people feel bad about coming, themselves as well.
6: We're distance of ourselves, for our next door neighbour, We're distance ourselves for the people we go to school with, the folk we go to work with. You sit in a train or a bus or anywhere. Everybody's on these phones. I mean, they have to blame. I think it's a, it's more of a mental health issue you now. They're, they're giving us mental problems with this issue. And you go on about the elderly. The elderly folk do become do become lonely, but. See, they've got a few bob and they're wealthy. You don't see that among them. Some families don't care about, about their, There's nothing there. Some families don't care about the parents or, or who's in these homes. I, I, I just think it's society in a whole. It's get, get greedy here. I just don't know.
1: OK, well, Stephen, thank you. you. See
6: how folks yeah. sit on couches and getting obese and all that. I, I just think the, the governments are... Everything's just that. I don't like it be in this world. Do you know what
1: I'm up? Okay. Thank you for your point, Stephen. <laughs> Always good to hear from you on the programme. Um, it was interesting. You said that you, you, you seem to talk about loneliness being an elderly thing, but um, one of the things I've discovered this week, which is very interesting, that it's it's not just uh, about about elderly people. We, we had that uh, 41-year-old mum from Kilmarno that uh, Stephen was referring to there. And um, one of the things that we've been doing as part of this campaign, in fact, the whole point of the campaign, uh, the hashtag Take Your Time campaign, is to encourage people to sign up as befrienders and and somebody who does this is uh, Evelyn who's uh, from Blanty. Good morning Evelyn.
7: Hi good morning Rob how are you?
1: I'm very well thank you. Tell me what is befriending?
7: It's basically just giving uh, a couple of hours of your free time um, to help or just give give support to somebody in need. Um, it's very much it doesn't matter how many people are in the world or in your family. Some people need that little bit of time to, the, to themselves um, so for me, it's just about um, the young person that I work with. Um, it's about giving her a couple of hours every fortnight, just for her to be in her own, away from her kind of a normal family life. Somebody to talk to, somebody to maybe do an activity with, without any pressure or any stress.
1: It, it sounds it sounds quite formal, is it? I and mean, it almost sounds like you're almost like you know the, the kind of person who has a, a badge on a string around their neck and like a sort of no. social worker or somebody. Is it like that?
7: Not, not at all. Um, people befriend from all walks of life. I mean, my background, I was, I was brought up in the care system, um, um, and I had a befriender of my own, and I actually benefited from that. And it's not a, it's not a formal position, although you have to be professional with regards to if, if a young person discloses something to you, then for safeguarding reasons, you have to then pass that on to management and the project or social work. But it's really, it's more like being a friend to them more being somebody that they can, um, they can turn to if they need a wee bit of advice, help, support. Um, and sometimes it's just about, they might not have many friends, but sometimes it's just about phoning them up and saying, right, what do you fancy doing this week? Maybe we'll go to the cinema, we'll go bowling for something to eat. So it's just giving them that couple of hours to, for them just to be themselves and do something that they want to do.
1: Now, the the young person I say loneliness is not just about the elderly; it can affect the young as well. The, the person that you work with is called Caitlin, and we've got Caitlin on the other line as well. Good morning, Caitlin. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today?
7: I'm good.
1: So, um, say hello to, to Evelyn. You two know each other. Hi,
7: Evelyn. Hi, Caitlin.
1: <laughs> so, so Caitlin, tell us tell us what what Evelyn does with you, what what you do together, and uh, and and why it was that you wanted to have a befriender
8: um through multiple kind of family backgrounds um I stopped kind of going out um I didn't want to leave the house I didn't want to go and hang about with friends um and it was it wasn't really kind of helping me in any sort of way so um it was kind of recommended that I got up offender to kind of just not just like kind of take me out and outings, or take me to the cinema, or take me out just sometimes for somebody to talk to, um, for the fact of getting out of the house and just, um, just being out, um, and not being stuck in the house all the time.
1: How do you make? How do you make? How do you turn it into a, a real friendship? It does, and the kind of thing that I've been thinking about this week when we've been talking about and thinking about this topic is, it must, must be really strange that you you were introduced to somebody and like here you go. Here's here's Evelyn, and Evelyn is going to be your friend. I mean, surely it's a... Normally, making friends is a very sort of, you know, slow process. You know, it it, it seems very odd that that, uh, you'd be presented with somebody and this person is going to be your friend. I mean, does it take a lot of getting used to?
8: It was. To start with, it was kind of like, who is this person? And why why do I have to go and, like, talk to this person? But kind of straight away, it was like we were getting along, we were talking about things, and... We were just comfortable straight away. There
7: wasn't like an awkward part of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Evelyn, I mean, you're, you're, you're quite a bit older than Caitlin, aren't you? I
7: am, yes. yeah. I'm not saying, but yes, I am. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, how, were you worried that you'd kind of end up almost like being kind of like a surrogate mum, almost?
7: Yeah. Not really, no. Um, I mean, there is a, there is a big difference in age between me and Caitlin, however. With the project that I am um, involved in, which is Volunteering Matters, which is based in Bells Hill, um, the project managers, Arlene and Ross, they are fantastic. What they do is they look at, um, say, for example, your skills, your talents, maybe a bit in your background and your personality, and then they take the young person and they actually match you up with that young person based on a, a lot of different things.
1: Kind of sounds um, like internet dating.
7: <laughs> well, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> Basically, when I first met Caitlin, um, yeah, of course, it was it was very nerve-wracking, because it was the first time I'd ever done something like this. And it was really, I was kind of more concerned that maybe I would be too old for Caitlin, or, you know, maybe she'd, she wouldn't want to, you know, she wouldn't take to me. But straight away, as soon as we met, we organised our first outing. And then the first outing, both of us are not, kind of, we're not that shy in the so I think we could have uh, turned to three hours into 30 hours with talking. Um <laughs> But the befriending project itself—you know—they're they're, they're always there to support. Um, if you've got any concerns, and that's not just for me, that's for Caitlin as well. They can go, um, we can go and speak to them, um, and, and they would look at that. Um, but no, it was—it's a, it's a fantastic. If you get if you've got free time, it's definitely something I would recommend. Um, it's not just a point of helping a young person or supporting a young person. But for me, it's been a personal journey as well. Um, I grew, just in in general, I grew maturity wise. I grew um, as a person It's helped me understand some of the things I went through as a young person as well, and um, and it's allowed me to support people, and not just with regard to family things or you know housing, but with that friendship, um, our relationships grew, and there's a lot of trust there. I can rely on Caitlin. She can rely on me. Um, it, it's just I can't. I can't express how much, how much of a benefit it's been to both, both of us. Um, just I think Caitlin would agree. It, it's just been, one. Is, it's, it's been a relationship that has grown, grew over the past years. Um, we ended up the befriending contract, as such, was extended for another six months. Uh, with Caitlin's circumstances, she, she, need, she needed that extra bit of support. Um, and as I said, it's not about any sort of professional support. It's sometimes just being a friend who she can phone and say, you know, what you're up to, or I'll phone and say, you're all right. Um, normally, what happens with the friend then is you go to direct contact with a young person, usually it's through the, the carer or the kinship carer or the guardian. However, with Caitlin being 17 and the circumstances in Caitlin's life changing, the... the the way it works had to change, which I was fully informed of. I was asked the question, would it be okay? And Caitlin was asked the same question. They both agreed that we could have direct contact with each other. And I just think each each outing, our relationship just became stronger and stronger. Um, and it's more, it's coming to the end of our relationship with regards to the now. However, um, I think our friendship will continue now in a more um, just kind of normal level as such.
1: Well, it's really, really heartening to to hear. And thank you so much for, for both of you uh, phoning in and telling us that story. If you've been inspired by what Caitlin and Evelyn are saying, if you would like to sign up to be a befriender, all you've got to do is go to the news pages of our website and there's a, a wee form to fill in. We'll send that off. Uh, I think uh, on the news tomorrow morning, we'll be revealing how many people have done this in the first week, and I think you'll be blown away by the by the response we've had to this campaign. But say go to the news pages of the website, all the details about how to sign up. Uh, we'll uh, have more reaction to this in just a few moments.
2: Scotland's talking, the podcast.
1: And I'm Rob sitting in Fair Alley on the programme this week. After 11 o'clock, going to be talking all things dieting, weight loss, and just the... Uh, well, the secret shame, I suppose, of being just very, very fat. Uh, a friend of mine called Davey, who's writing a, a oh, really toe-curling blog. And in, in, in some, in some places, it's it's, it's so honest about uh, his uh, struggle with his weight, and uh, I mean, he's he's had amazing success in, in shifting weight. But things I never knew about, you know, what was going on in his in his head for years when he was he was 27 stone when he finally decided uh, that he'd had enough and uh, he was going to do something about slimming down chatting to davy uh, after 11 but we're going to continue our talk uh, about uh, loneliness and befriending just now now if you were listening uh, to the show a couple of weeks ago you might remember we had this interview with hazel from forfa you start
8: thinking that you're you're useless you know, you you feel that you're you you really feel your life's done because I mean you're you, you, you can't get into interaction with anyone, and it, it is a two-way thing. Company is is I think it's a very underestimated value to people who like me who are stuck in their houses all the time.
1: Well, the reporter who was doing that interview was my colleague Hazel, who works in our Dundee newsroom. Good morning, Hazel. Good morning, Rob. Now, that, that interview, when you went to see Elizabeth, that had a really profound impact on you, and it's uh, moved you to to take action yourself. So maybe you'd like to tell us about that.
0: No, of course. And, you know, you're right when um, seeing that, listening to it back, actually, it's just, oh, kind of gives me shivers. Yeah, um, when I was sitting in front of Elizabeth and she was telling me that I... I just, you know, I was so moved by her story that literally the second that I stepped out of her house, I just thought I need to do this and sign up as a befriender because I was just so, it was so heartbreaking to hear how, you know, how upsetting it was and when she was talking about being on her own all the time. So, yeah.
1: There's a a big age gap between you. I mean, I'm intrigued by this connection that you made um because... well, how old are you, Hazel? Because that's your birthday today, so happy birthday! But but how old are you today?
0: Thank you, twenty
1: six. So you're you're twenty six. <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth is is seventy four. You must have wondered when you went to see her. You know, just you know how you were going to connect with uh, you know an old lady that you'd never met before because well, you you can't have much in common. Well,
0: yes and no. She there was something that she said that really struck a chord with me. So when I was interviewing her and when I was speaking to her, I mean you'll you'll probably hear it you know in more of the interview if you listen back so she was saying i'm such a sociable person i'm a real people person um i love company and and you know i I love to kind of go out and meet people um which i just i could identify with that so much because i'm the same that's one of the reasons i'm a reporter you know i just i really like people and i like to hear you know to hear about you and and things like that and i just thought oh my god like that's going to be me in years to come. That could be me in years to come. And if I felt like that, I mean, I could actually totally identify with where she was coming from.
1: Clearly, it's it's a feeling that that didn't leave you afterwards. That that wasn't just an immediate response because you've now signed up, I believe, to be a befriender yourself, haven't you?
0: I have. Yeah. I um I signed up with a a charity, local uh, Dundee charity, but it actually has branches all over Scotland. Um, and it was really, really. Easy to do. So you just you just go and you you um, fill out forms and then you get your background checks, which I'm just in the middle of. And and yeah, and they think they found me a match. I don't know yet. It's quite funny. It feels a bit like a dating site. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was going to ask what what exactly do you have to go through? I mean, did you have to sort of fill in a form? You know, all about Hazel kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and it was really difficult actually. Um, likes and dislikes, like your favourite films, like whether you've got any hobbies. It um, looked a bit weird reading it back. I like to knit my favourite film's Jaws, so I uh, I put all them down. And, um, and yeah, and then they, they match you up with someone that they think has a similar interests to you. And then it's really informal, though. I thought it would be, you know, it would be more rigid than it was. You just go and fill in that form. You have to give them an ID and, and things like that, and they have to do a background check. And then, yeah, then they find you someone and, and they introduce you.
1: So have you found somebody yet?
0: Uh, they've got a match for me but we've not actually met yet um, but it's a, a lady that lives around the corner from me which is handy so uh, we'll just have to wait and see.
1: Do you know much about her at all? Yeah.
0: Um, not a lot, I know that she's not from Dundee um, and she just sounds like a bit of a character but I, I know I'm really looking forward to meeting her.
1: It must be slightly daunting though, because you know, you're going to have this first meeting coming up. You know, it's very odd to meet somebody and like, "Hello, we're going to be friends." You know, I've it's, actually it's not, kind not of thought unnatural.
0: about it. I know I've actually not thought about it, Rob. Do you know that? Um, you've just put the fear in me. Um, no, I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, I, I get on with most people, and um, I'm sure it'll be all right. And it's quite exciting, you, you know, the prospect of just getting to know someone, and you know, if you're going to if you're going to get on, which I hope we do. So. Yeah, no, we'll just have
1: to wait and see. And you are a, you're a busy person, you do a, a, a busy life. Are you worried about the commitment? You know, and what about the next time your friends say, "Hey, Hazel, you, you're coming down the pub tonight?" You say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I can't. I've got to go and see my 90 year old." You know, I'll bring her with me. <laughs> <laughs> you may, that's the thing. It's 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 all about you know what you both get out of it, I suppose. And and, and I suppose you know I, I know what a live wire you are. That you you're going to bring something really new to this 90 year old lady's life I when, hope when, when so. she meets you. I
0: hope so you know you never know Rob she might not like me but (laughs) I hope so yeah no I think it's going to be great she sounds um like a laugh so I'm really looking forward to it actually and it's just it's you know I mean it was such a no-brainer um just you know popping in on your way home from work that was the thing I was just thinking it's such a little part of you that you're giving to someone and if someone can benefit from that and look forward to it I mean why not it's your time you know it's so valuable to someone else everyone should do it I think
1: well, it's a fantastic thing you've done, Hazel. And uh, I tell you what: when, when you do eventually meet your 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 lady, we must. Uh, I think we must get the two of you on the program, and uh, we can check back and find out how this is going.
0: Maybe we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> well, if you want to take part in the program this morning, the number is oh triple three twenty twenty four oh one. We'll speak to uh, Margaret, who's on that line in just a moment. But you can also uh, text me this morning: text Rob followed by your message. To 61054. I had a text in from Rachel in Edinburgh. She says, Rob, regarding loneliness, I think all anyone needs is to feel that someone cares. And then adult family members could do more. They could even take a few minutes regularly to call or text comes down to people just caring that little bit more. Thank you for uh, your thoughts there, Rachel. Also, we're on Twitter, at Scotland's Talking. You can get in contact with us there. Uh, but our favourite way, of course, is uh, on the phone. Uh, Margaret's in Dumfries. Good morning, Margaret. Good
9: morning.
1: Good morning. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Now, I think uh, I'm told that you are a befriendee. You you, you are part of uh, this system. You you have somebody who comes and sees you, is that right? Yes, that's so, how did this start? You know, how did you get to the point where you you felt that you you needed to organise to to get some company? I didn't organise it. I was referred to
9: the food train, and Mister McGill came down to see me and he talked to me and told me all about the befriending service that he had and would I like would I be interested? Is it just their one to one service? And he says I have a, one or two in mind. Gail. Gail has been fantastic. We At first we felt strange, you know, a stranger in your house. But you know not worry, all the, the frienders are security checked, so you're, you're quite safe with them. And from there it just blossomed. And I've had Gail now for about three and a half years.
1: So you, you say you were referred to this as so somebody must have sort of spotted yeah. something or, or thought you were lonely what you know, what what what, what, what was going on
9: because my family is so far away and I have nobody here um,
1: Yeah, what, what tell me about that difference
9: well i would never think of going out alone I, I wouldn't dream of going out alone
1: to start with you know did, did you think that this was
9: Daddy going to be
1: something that'd be very sort of stilted and, and formal and and, and that I- I mean, other other things that you know you could have gone and done I mean, is, is the fact is it the fact that there's just nothing around, or, or just actually that you were just a, a bit shy and didn't want to you know go well, and join I'm clubs and societies and things? things.
9: I'm not one for mixing as a rule, but now that I've got this group of friends, we go all over the place. We go to to garden centres, we go to museums, we go to outings to the the the, the coast, and we get fish suppers and come home again. You know. A lot
1: of things like that. It's great. Well, that's that's wonderful to hear. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time to call in and uh, be part of the programme this morning, Margaret. Uh, we're going to take, uh, t- take a bit of music, I think, here. And uh, after the news at 11 o'clock, we're going to move on to the topic of talking about dieting. So uh, my friend Davey is going to come on and uh, I think you'll be amazed by what he uh, he has to say about his experience of slimming down from 27 stone. And I really love you to be part of that conversation as well. I think all of us must have been on a diet at, at some time, uh, probably all fallen off the wagon as, as well. If you're inspired by Davey, give us a call, 0333 2020 401. This is Scotland's talking. Roxy Music, Love is the Drug on Scotland's Talking. A text in from Liz talking about loneliness and befriending. She says, Rob, it's so nice to know there are some young people out there that care enough to look out for the elderly, as we'll be old one day, and it'd be comforting to know that someone out there Really cares. If you have more thoughts on loneliness befriending, we'd love to hear them. The number is 0333 202401. 20 20 After the news, going to change topic. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, davy a blogger from Inverness. And uh, let's not beat about the bush here. Basically, we're talking about being really, really
4: fat.
2: You're listening to Scotland's Talkin, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin.
1: Hello, I'm Rob, sitting in for Ali in the second hour of Scotland's Talkin'. We're going to be meeting Davy and talking
5: dieting. I've been fat for half my life. I was no stranger to jokes or slider marks about my weight, but I can't remember ever being singled out quite like that. The next morning, I could still feel the shame and humiliation of the night before, and I promised myself that things were going to change. And I meant it. And it's quite incredible what has happened to Davy since
1: that moment. It was at a black-tie dinner. Very, very embarrassing. Toe-curlingly embarrassing. Davy's written all about it on his blog. And we'll hear about him and his story in a few moments. You want to join us, 0333 2020 401. Huey Lewis and the news and the power of love. Just before we move on, just a, a few uh, thoughts more about uh, befriending... And loneliness, because it's, it's really got you talking this morning. Uh, another text come in. This one's anonymous, but it says, Rob, making the effort to befriend someone could also benefit those who themselves are lonely and need a purpose in life. That's, that's an interesting thought. Uh, I had quite a few uh, people calling in uh, as well to uh, the phone team and saying, look, we're really interested in being a befriender, but I, I don't have a computer, so how do I sign up? If you, if you are in that situation feel free to, to give us a call 0333 2020 we'll take all your details and uh, we'll pass them on to the various organizations that we're working with as part of our hashtag take the time campaign uh, that's uh, running on the station this week uh, but you can uh, the easy way to sign up is just go to the news pages of the website uh, look for all the uh, articles there called uh, take the time and there's a form you can fill in it's uh, it's really very very simple so let's uh, move on to a new subject. let's Let's talk about dieting. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll have had that moment where you thought to yourself, mm, "I could do with losing a bit of weight. you know, and I know in my case sometimes it's when you you struggle to uh, fasten the top button on your trousers you have to breathe in or or even worse, you kind of catch sight of yourself in a mirror and think, "Oh goodness, do I, do I really look like that?" Well, what if one day you discovered that you can't fit an aircraft seatbelt around your middle anymore? Or, or if you go to a shop and even the largest size of, of garment in the shop, you know, we're talking here the triple XL T-shirt, what if that doesn't fit? Well, both these things happened to the man that I'm talking to now, and he still carried on eating, he still carried on piling on the pounds, all until something happened one night that made him realise that things had to stop. His name is, is Davy Walker, and he's actually a colleague of mine who works behind the scenes in our studios in Inverness. Come on
5: in, Davey. Morning, Rob. Thanks for having me on today. <laughs> um,
1: you're very, very welcome. Thank you for coming in on, on a Sunday morning. And uh, you've been writing a blog, Davey, um, all about your, your battle to, to lose weight. Um, it's called, we'll do the plug, get that out of the way. It's, it's Dinspiration. Is it Dinspiration.co.uk? Is that right? Uh, dot com. Dot com. Yeah, Dotcom. Din, yes. Dinspiration.com. Uh, and also it's got two N's in DIN, hasn't it? D-I-N-N.
5: It's like dinner inspiration is kind of where the name came from initially. And I thought I was just going to share my recipes. And then I started telling my story as well. And it, it, it's kind of evolved into more of that rather than the food. But it's a, it's a mixture of both, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, um, we're going to talk about the story because I have to say, it's it's one of the most searingly honest things I have ever read. Uh, and, and, and you and I have, have worked together for, for a number of years. And, and I had no idea this, this sort of thing was, was going on in, in your life and in your head. Um, but let, let's just dive in. First of all, uh, um, I'm going to be blunt here and I, and I, mm-hmm. hope, that, I hope our friendship is not going to end uh, just uh, with this question, but how on earth did you get to be 27 stone?
5: I don't know is the answer and I didn't realise that I was. Um, I posted a photo this week, um, the one that you shared as well. Yeah, it's um, on uh, th- If
1: you go to Twitter Radio uh, uh, Scotland's Talking. If you go to Twitter Scotland's Talking, uh, you, you'll see the photo. Yes, carry on
5: that photo so the before image was taken in july last year and looking back at that picture i don't remember looking like that um it seems like a really strange thing to say but that's not me in that picture um i genuinely cannot remember like looking like that at all and even people around me say they don't remember me looking like that as well but obviously i did because that's a photograph um so over the years the weight just crept up and crept up and and despite my best efforts and like doing all the different diets and all the fads and all the ones that you've probably heard of with sh- uh, shakes and bars and all of that. it just it just didn't shift. I would lose a little bit, and then I would fall off the wagon and I'd put more weight on. And it got to the point like you were saying there, you know the 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 seat belt in the airplane didn't fit, or I'd go and try and buy clothes in a shop. And I'd be standing there in the changing room with the largest size, and I uh, couldn't fasten the buttons.
1: Yeah, you, you wrote very movingly in, in in the blog post about the aircraft seat. You know, t- take me back to that that awful moment.
5: Um, well, I'd been on a flight before um, before that particular incident when I knew that um, it was coming close. Like, um, uh, the seatbelt's not going to fasten. I'm thinking, right, next time I go on a plane, you know, there is a there's a good chance here that I'm not going to be able to get this round my waist. I'm not going to get it to fasten. Um, and you would think that that might be enough to, to, to make me go on a bit of a diet, but it didn't. So the next time I'm on the plane, um, I'm trying to fasten it and it just wouldn't close. And it's that feeling inside that everybody around you is looking at you on the plane. And of course they're not. Nobody Nobody's caring. But I've gone bright red. I'm really embarrassed. It, it, it's really bad. And that happened on a number of flights to the point where, you know, I... I would even fly without fastening the seatbelt, I would hide it, I would pretend that the buckle was fastened and the cabin crew would walk past, doing their pre-flight checks and whether they noticed that I hadn't actually fastened it, whether they didn't care, whether they didn't want to cause a scene or whatever but my seatbelt was not fastened for a number of times that I flew um, and then on a flight last summer, um, I was in a smaller plane and there was three in the row and I was kind of wedged in between two other people. I mean, goodness
1: knows they're small enough, you know, yeah, no matter what well, size you well, are. Well,
5: exactly. But it was uh, just a little sort of internal flight. So it was a wee plane. And um, the, the people on either side, it was the middle of the summer, as I say. So it was really hot. The people on either side of me, I thought, oh, I'm such an inconvenience to these people because I'm taking up so much space. i already had the, the seatbelt extension on and um, the the stewardess was at the front and uh, I could see her looking at me and I thought, oh, no, she's she's thinking the same as me. And then she walked up the aisle and she slipped me a bit of paper and I read it and it said, Mr. Walker, if you'd be more comfortable, then feel free to move to another seat. And she gave me the seat row and the number to tell me where to go. It was a seat that was more available and it had more leg room and stuff. But I just, how how would you get up? all of a sudden, and go and move to another seat. The people either side of me would be judging me and all of that. So I didn't, I just stayed poop. <laughs> I did the British thing and just said nothing.
1: <laughs> I and mean, getting that you know, note, did, did, did that make you feel better? Like, oh, somebody really cares. Yeah. Or, or, or did it actually make you go, oh, no.
5: Yeah. yeah, it was kind of a bit of both, to be honest. But it was quite nice. I thought, actually, do you know what? She wasn't sitting there judging me. She's, she's realised the predicament that I'm in and she's... She's done something to try and help me. So when I was leaving the plane at the end, and she was at the front saying cheerio to everybody, I said, "You know, thank you very much for sending that, for like passing that note. I really appreciate it."
1: Yeah, you said it was an internal flight. I, I, I think we deserve to, to, to mention the airline, and because clearly somebody has really paid attention in their customer service training there. Would you, would you like to tell us who, who that was?
5: Absolutely, it was a flyby flight from Birmingham to Inverness. There you
1: are. I think
5: that that's just the the way that she phrased
1: the note it was just perfect wasn't it you yeah, know yeah
5: absolutely um you know just very simple she'd even taken the trouble to work out what seat i was in and look up my name like that's personnel that's sort of making it personal isn't it yeah and um even after that
1: you didn't change you're, you're- your, your life that wasn't what prompted you into into going on to this diet that's that's been lasting for for the year and, and had phenomenal success.
5: No, that's no. right. There was um,
1: there was another I mean, incident. Tell us about yeah. that incident.
5: It was a dinner. Uh, it was a football dinner at a hotel and. I was already sort of feeling quite bad about the event. I didn't really want to go because I'd been to get measured for a kilt and previously, despite not being able to buy clothes in normal shops, I've never had any bother at the kilt makers. So they've always managed to find me a kilt that fits and they've always had a jacket that fitted as well. But this time, um, the waistcoat didn't fit. And the jacket didn't fit so they got me a jacobite shirt which fitted just and no more it wasn't very comfortable and and these things are big and floaty aren't they they are well normally they're big (laughs) and floaty, but it was like being wrapped in cling film rob let me tell you Uh, so so i'm wearing this and i'm already self-conscious and i thought oh, i don't want to go to this thing i really this is not good so i'd phoned one of my colleagues and said you know i'm really uncomfortable i don't think i'm gonna come and she said no 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 just come it'll be fine um stick with me You'll be alright. So fair enough. Fair play to Dawn. She did that. She sorted me out and she got me there. Um so we're sitting in the in the room having we've had dinner, and then the after dinner speaker comes on and he's doing his spiel and he's getting a few laughs and it's all it's all going fine. And then he started on a bit of chat about weight and dieting and stuff like that. And I can't even remember what he said. And actually the words are not important. It was how he made me feel because he went into his inside pocket in his jacket and he brought out a twirl. That was half eaten so one of the chocolate bits had gone and there was one stick left in the packet and he walked over to me and he flung it at me and it landed in front of me and everybody looked around and there was a sort of a slight ripple of laughter but there was definitely a feeling of awkwardness in the room um and inside I was just like oh my god get me out of here just get me out of here now
1: and he made a comment as well didn't he
5: yeah it was basically like you'll still be hungry after your dinner you know words to that effect yeah that's not funny is it
1: I mean that that's not how comedians should
5: behave it was horrible and you know you could tell by the looks some people found it funny obviously and probably the ones that were more drunk than others but the, the ones that most people in the room were looking over and they could they were just sort of the look on their face was they, they felt sorry for me and whether they felt sorry for me because of how big i was or how or they felt sorry for me because of what he'd said i'm not sure um but they felt sorry for me and a, a few people came over to me afterwards and said you know, that was really out of line. Um, he shouldn't have said that, which which was nice. They didn't have to do that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, over, yeah.
1: that's not comedy. That's playground bullying.
5: No, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so I know the guy's name and I haven't sent it to him yet, but I am going to send him a copy of that blog to say, by the way, what you did was pretty nasty. But actually, um, every cloud and all that, because it actually was the thing that sort of spurred me on to make all this change. Yeah,
1: so. we'll, we'll go on to talk about that in, in just a moment. But um, I'm... Want to just bring in Donald into the conversation here because Donald has phoned us from Edinburgh, and uh, I say if, if you've been you know, if you're listening to to, to David's story, if you've if you've been in that situation, maybe you've been that person getting the extension uh, on on the seatbelt in the plane or whatever. If, if you've uh, been you know, trying to diet, trying to lose weight, if if, it's, if any of this is striking a chord with you, please, we'd love you to come in uh, and and join the conversation. Let's all have a big chat about it. The numbers O triple three twenty twenty. 401, uh, Donald. Good morning. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. I'm, I'm so glad you, you've called in. Um,
10: Actually, I've been listening to it, Rob.
1: Yeah. What, what's what, what what's your take on this?
10: Uh, I'm in a wheelchair and I've got diabetes, and I feel that and I can't lose weight at all. I'm eating, I eat Chinese every Saturday. When I eat chips, uh, I want to eat fat, fatty things.
1: Uh huh. And, and I, just,
10: I just can't can't shake the weight off.
1: Do you, do you mind me asking how much you weigh? Do, do you know how much you weigh, Donald?
10: Just a minute, Rob. I'm going to stay a right? Oh, Thirteen stone.
1: Thirteen. That's that, that doesn't sound like goodness me. I'm, I'm I'm more than thirteen stone. Um, but how, how much you how much you trying to lose?
10: How much am I trying to lose? see, I'm treating to a caterer at the same time. I'm only I'm only four
1: foot ten. I I see. Right. I mean. It's, it's, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, because the first thing that you know people would say to you is, "Oh well, do more exercise." But you know, I I, I guess that's that's unlikely to be an option for you, is Donald, isn't it? I mean, if 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 you're in a chair the whole time, aye,
10: and it's very upsetting, Rob.
1: You know. Uh uh-huh. I, I mean, do people? Do you get kind of looks and comments and things? Um,
10: yes, I do. Yeah. And and it's very embarrassing.
1: And and how do you how do you respond? I mean, because I was I was motivated, you know, particularly to, to get Davy on the program because I, I worked with Davy for so long, and I always thought that Davy was perfectly happy with the size he was. It was you know everything was absolutely fine. You know, yeah, I'm I'm big and I don't care. And it wasn't until I read the blog that I realised how much Davy did care, and this really was eating away. I'm talking that you in the third person here, Davy. You know, Phil. <laughs> you
5: know.
1: I, I mean, is this is what Donald's saying, striking a chord with you?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Donald, I'm interested. You're talking about the Chinese and stuff like that. When you eat that food, how does it make you feel?
10: It makes me feel... Um, I only eat it once a week. And it, feels, it makes me feel I'm putting more weight on, you know?
5: Mm-hmm. But you, you can't stop yourself from doing it?
10: I can't stop myself from doing it.
5: And how much do you eat?
10: Uh, just half.
5: Okay, so you're not having loads, but you obviously get to the point where you feel that you have to have it. I know, it's it, it's it's really hard, isn't it? I mean, uh, Rob, you and I were chatting about this during the week, you know, we were saying if you're addicted to alcohol, drugs, gambling, whatever it may be, I mean, food is an addictive thing, especially Aye. especially junk food like that. Um, And I still factor in treats into my diet, but I know that if I go to the drive through, it's not going to end well.
10: And also, I was telling Rob on the phone there, I've got diabetes, as well, like, oh, that doesn't help.
5: Mm-hmm. No, Absolutely. no. Is, is that is that the type one or, or the type two?
1: You know, is, is it the one you have to have uh, the insulin injections for, Donald?
10: Uh,
1: type two. Type two. So I mean, and this is the one that they say is purely diet controlled.
10: I want tablets, Rob.
1: Right. Uh huh. Yeah. But you know, it. it I mean, it can, it can be a serious thing, you know, because it can it can cause all sorts of other
5: complications. So it's, it's a massive issue all across Scotland. Uh, Donald, Donald, what? Yeah. what so, sorry, Rob. Uh, Donald, what? What did your doctor say about it? Have you spoken to your doctor? What
10: did my doctor say about it? You see them all of
5: their feet now and again. <laughs> <laughs> because I spoke to my doctor just this week, actually, and I, I just sort of it just cropped up in conversation that I'd lost seven stone in the last year, and he was astounded for a start. But also, he, I told him the entire story, and he was kind of inspired. and It was the first appointment of the day, and he says, you know, you really set me up for the day. He said, it's really hard being a GP. A lot of people come in here, and they don't know how to help themselves. They want a quick fix. Um, and and they're really struggling. But I, I was just interested to know kind of what your what your doctor sort of take on it was. You know, did the doctor dismiss it or just say right, you need to go away and lose weight, or did they no, give no, you any kind of help? A
10: treat once, once a week. Is mm. there any is there any way you can give me help?
5: Some way. I'm not a professional, unfortunately. All I can do is sort of share what's what I've done, and and a lot of it is down to exercise as well as the food. Now, obviously, you might find that a lot more challenging. I want um, to wheelchair. Yeah, that exactly. That, that's what I mean. But I mean. Um ultimately, um, it, it's all about calorie deficit. And if you burn more calories than you eat, then you will lose weight. So, you know, perhaps finding a, a personal trainer or, or a dietitian or a nutritionalist or somebody like that, that they can help you work out how many calories you need per day. And then working out a plan that would allow you to stay within that, and you will lose weight. It's, it's Science, basic science, you know.
1: It is worth saying as well that also, if you if you go if you online Donald, if you if you go to David's blog, dinspiration.com, uh, uh, there's lots lots of recipes uh, on there. I and mean, it's, it's obviously, as uh, David says, it's about your calorie intakes, it's about your portion control, and we'll, we'll go on to talk about that a wee bit uh, a wee bit further on uh, in in the show. But, um, Donald, thank you so much for, for, for calling in and, and joining in the conversation there. The number's 333 202401. If uh, you want to uh, join in the conversation that Davey and me are having, we'll have more after these.
2: Scotland's In the podcast. The conversation
1: uh, that I'm having with uh, Davey Walker, a blogger from Inverness, talking all about how he's uh, slimmed down from... Twenty-seven stone. How, how have you done so far, Davey,
5: in a year? Yes, uh, seven stone. Seven stone in just over a year. Is that good? I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> That's good.
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. I've I've, I've, I've never had to. to in fact, do you know what? I've never actually been on a diet at all. Actually, because um, I, I I have I, I had this thing in my head that I just think it doesn't work. But it doesn't work for me, maybe. But we'll we'll explore that. I think a wee bit uh, a wee bit going forward. Mm-hmm. Um. Getting lots of uh, lots of response to this, particularly on the on the text. If you, if you want to text in, text ROB, followed by your message to 61054. There's someone who's not given their name here. They said, Rob, what is the answer on dieting when you feel that you just have to have that food? Uh, that, that's talking about that food addiction thing. We'll, we'll, we'll come back uh, to that. Um, just before the break, we were, we were talking about the, the thing that finally convinced you that you had to lose weight. You, you've been describing being at this black-tie dinner in an outfit you know that you barely fitted into, and it wasn't even a black-tie outfit, and then this alleged comedian throws a half-eaten chocolate bar at you as part of his act and, and makes a comment to the whole room, and, and you're dying with embarrassment inside. And, and, and this is the bit where I think this really gets interesting. What did you do after that dinner?
5: I had a kebab. Um, <laughs> and then I went home. So that would really help the whole situation, didn't it? But the next morning, <laughs> when I woke up... Um, i suddenly remembered what had happened the night before, and it's that horrible sort of gut wrenching feeling you know when you banish yourself in public or or you realize that you've made a colossal mistake or something you get that sort of feeling in your stomach it was it was that and it it took me right back to what had happened the night before, and I was like oh. he was he was right i mean he he, he kind of was in a way he he was taking the mick out of me, but you know what Maybe he was right to maybe I actually do need to deal with this somehow I need to do something about this, yeah because so- I mean
1: that that kind of comfort-eating thing, that, mm. that had been a bit big factor for you, hadn't it?
5: Oh, massive. And, like, uh, when you, you sort of step on the scales and think, oh, my goodness, like, how much do I weigh? And then the next thing, you're ordering a takeaway. It seems so stupid, but that is what happens. And you get into a cycle where... The only thing that makes you feel better is the thing that's causing you the pain and the suffering in the first place. It's bizarre, but that's that's how it is.
1: Yeah. And we mentioned technology as being an issue in in loneliness in the first part of the program. Technology really hasn't helped you here, has it? Because, you know, just you can you can sit at home with your with your phone and order in food. And and I think you you totted up how much you've been spending on that, didn't you?
5: Yeah, so one particular app, I went back through my order history and had a look to see just how much I'd been spending and I found a week um in 2016 where I spent 107 pounds on takeaway deliveries. Um and it was over six six consecutive days basically. So um, every day that, that that was how you ate. Yeah, that's what I did and I, I would go home and I would tr- I would sit there on the on the on the sofa with my phone in my hand and the app open and I would see all of the takeaways that were available and I'd go, I'm not going to order one tonight. So I'd close it down and then I'd open it up again and I'd go, oh, maybe I'll have the Chinese tonight. So you go into the local Chinese takeaway and then I'd pick and I would choose and then I would close the app again. And sometimes it would take me about an hour. And so my willpower was trying to fight against me. But and then inevitably I would just give in and then end up ordering £15 worth of food.
1: And that app has made it worse you think you it would have been if you'd had to get up off the sofa get into your car or heaven forbid even walk to the takeaway it would have been easier to resist you think
5: even phoning as well like even if i had to phone the takeaway and potentially speak to the same person six days in a row on the phone that i think would be quite embarrassing but to be able to do it anonymously through an app then yeah it was a doddle yeah. and also you don't feel like you're spending the money either like i had absolutely no concept that that's what i was spending it came off my debit card um so at the time it didn't feel like you were ha- if i was physically handing over 15 to 20 pounds every single night to the delivery driver i would feel like i was handing over that money but it was it was by card so it didn't feel like it it's
1: kind of it's almost like the the sort of bartender says to you, you know, do you do you think you might have had enough sir isn't it mm.
5: yeah yeah absolutely let's bring in john from from Sandy Hills who's
1: um who's called in to join the conversation hello john Hi, John. Hello there. Hello. Um How uh, are we? We're very well, thank you. Uh, you're you, you've called the program before. I've spoken to you before, John, and I know that you're a taxi driver. So you you spend all day sitting down. That that's not good news, yeah. you know. If 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 you're trying to be active, trying to lose weight. I mean, are you trying to lose weight? Yeah, I'm am I'm, I'm in a constant
11: battle with um, my weight. I have dropped. I'm not. Grossly overweight, but I, I, I'm overweight enough for it to affect my health. Um, now, the annoying thing that I get and the hard thing that I get is I'm 22 years of taxi driver. Now, when I'm doing my taxi, people look at me and say, overweight, that's just going to be lazy and uh, greedy and this and that and the next thing. And it's a total lie. There is thousands of people in this country who are employed driving either taxis, buses, lorries. Now, when you're out and doing a 12-hour shift, and you're finished that 12-hour shift, believe me, the hardest thing in the world to do is then park up your motor, lift your bag, and go to the gym for an hour and a half. All you want to do is go in and sit down. Now, I used to work in the building trade, and I never had a problem when my we weight in the building trade. Bit. Yeah, driving for a living is actually more physically demanding mentally
1: than it is working in the building Sure, yeah, I get, I, get, I get the mental thing. What do I ask? I mean, you, you, and see what David thinks about this. You, you say the hardest thing in the world when you get back home is to go and start doing some exercise. I wonder, is it just the first time you go and do exercise is the hardest time in the world, and that actually after that it gets easier? Because you... David, you also write on on the blog here that you you know at the time you were at your fattest, mm-hmm. you, you you could you could hardly walk the length of yourself, could you?
5: Yeah, that's right. like we tried to go out for a walk just from the office, me and a colleague thought right, we'll go for a ten minute walk, and I, I couldn't even last the ten minutes. So absolutely starting off is is hard. and and I get what you're saying, John, after a twelve hour shift, the last thing you want to do is is potentially go to the gym and do anything. but then, Maybe it's your food that we should look at instead. So if you're in your car, do you end up at the petrol station buying rubbish during your shift? What happens when you go home? What are you eating? Is it stuff there that you could look at?
11: No, actually, it's, it's no the, the food. It's, um, I, don't, I go to a, a diet club, or I used to go to a diet club, but I went to the diet club to get the frame of things of what to do, and I dropped a couple of stones. Um... The hard thing is that what you've got to remember is that when you're coming in, you've had no exercise whatsoever. You're sitting down, you're having a normal dinner, but that normal dinner is enough to give you extra calories, if you know what I mean. That you Mm -hmm. haven't burned half, because you're just eating it and it's just lying there. You get no exercise at all. Now...
5: are you hungry enough, though? Are you hungry enough to eat all of that, John? Or what would happen if you were to cut that portion down? Because by reducing the number of calories that you're taking in, then that's that would definitely help.
11: Yeah, it, it does help. I, and you, see, you can change it. I mean, um, on the diet plans, you, you can eat fruit, as much fruit as you want. You can eat as much veg as you want. It's not a case of being hungry or not being hungry. The point I'm trying to make is that you actually need to involve
1: exercise. Can I throw something else in here into the conversation? I want to bring in Agnes who's called in as well, Davy and John. Good morning, mm-hmm. Agnes. Morning. Good morning. My, my little message on the screen morning. here says says no such thing as
5: dieting. Explain that to us, Agnes.
9: You
5: need to change your eating habits and keep them changed for life. Absolutely, Agnes. 100%. That's what I've done. That's definitely what I've done. I don't see it as being on a diet at all. It's just working out what you have to change and actually be taking a long hard look at absolutely everything so like I log every single thing that I eat now and keep track of it and that might sound really geeky and time-consuming but it's not really but I I I do not do that I just yeah. had had my day what
9: I'm
1: having to eat and eat it Have you ever had to slim down at all Agnes? Eh, uh, many years ago I tried a cabbage soup diet. Oof <laughs> that sounds rough. Amazing. Did it work though?
9: No. No. no.
1: <laughs> Did it have unfortunate effects, <laughs> I'm dying to ask. You know what? Did it have unfortunate effects? Is there a side effect of a cabbage diet? No. No? Okay, alright. No. Maybe just me then. <laughs> I mean it's, it's an interesting point though it is and, and this is a thing that's commonly said you know David that it's, it's all about lifestyle.
5: Yeah it's absolutely about lifestyle and Agnes mentioned the cabbage soup diet there and that's one of the, the sort of famous fad diets that, that people know about and ultimately the fads work for a short amount of time because they they basically restrict the calories that you're eating Um Ooh. so you're going to lose weight but ultimately it's not sustainable so people then end up sort of Drifting back into into their old habits, but it's it's about completely. Case. So I I cook every week now, and what I do is I plan my meals in advance. I take a shopping list to the supermarket. I don't look at anything other than what I'm buying, so I'm not tempted to. Oh, there's a three for two on the chocolate bars, for example. Um, take it home, cook it. And then I put stuff in the freezer and have it in the fridge so that I when I come home from work I've got a proper home cooked dinner ready to stick in the microwave. It takes a couple hours every week and it means I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat. It's all yeah, planned out. No, How? but it's all proper but it's all proper just, food, Agnes though. Up? Yeah, but it's all proper proper home-cooked food and it means that when I get home from work and there's the possibility that I'm going to be tempted that I don't end up straying off and ordering stuff on the app or, or end up at the at the drive-thru or whatever. But it, as, as you say, it's about changing your lifestyle and it's finding what works for you. So for me, that works. I can go in and I know that in the freezer or in the fridge I've got something that I made and I know what's in it and it's not got any rubbish in it and I'm going to have a proper meal on the table within three minutes of getting home from work and that's going to stop me... From being tempted to eat rubbish.
1: Well, we'll go on to talk about um, some of the recipes, perhaps on your site, Davy, and some some of your some more of your sort of tips. on what your experience has been. Thanks, Agnes and and John for for joining in the, the chat. There, at the number o 401 You can text Rob follow by message to six one zero five four. We're on Twitter at Scotland's talking uh, More diet chat in a few moments.
2: You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'.
1: I'm Rob, and on the uh, line from the studio in Inverness is my colleague. Davey, who's uh, the blogger behind Dinspiration, telling us about how he's lost seven stone down from twenty-seven stone in uh, just a year. Uh, you can join us. Uh, that number oh triple three twenty twenty four zero one. Love you to be part of the chat. Uh, you can also text text Rob followed by your message to six one oh five four. Um, got a couple of these uh, coming in, Davey. To mm-hmm. uh, to put to you. Uh, this comes from Liz. She says. Um, Hi Rob, I've been on a diet a few times and once I reach my goal weight i found myself slipping back to my old ways and, and I'll put on more weight so the diets don't work i found that uh, I need to have smaller portions and take exercise such as walking, which has helped me to retain the weight I'm supposed to be. Uh, that sounds like common sense, doesn't
5: it? Yeah, uh, look, all these things sound like common sense though, but I, that's the problem is that actually your brain tries to trick you in various ways, especially when you enjoy eating. Um but I think what I was just trying to say there though is that if she's getting to her target weight what I'm planning on doing anyway when I get to my target weight is to set myself a limit so if I get to let's pick a number so 15 stone for example is where I'm trying to get to next and, and within the next year which that's, is that's still quite really low, low. Well, I mean, in comparison from yeah. when I've started, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you're, so, you're, you've, you've got the height, David. You're six foot two. I mean, you No, you're, that's true. That is true. But um, when I get to 15, I want to set an upper limit of 15 and a half so that I know that, say, I go on holiday or, or just life gets in the way or whatever. If I start creeping towards the 15 and a half mark, then I now know what to do to take drastic action to then bring it back down and get it under control again. Yeah.
1: That's, that's, do, you, do you weigh yourself every day? Or every week?
5: Yeah. or How often do you check it? I do it every day. I should really just do it once a week, but I'm kind of obsessed at the moment. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I step on the scales every day and, and it kind of fluctuates through the week. Um, But I do sort of keep quite a close eye on it, yeah. Do you not worry
1: in a way that that it does become a a bit OCD, a bit of an obsession? Yeah,
5: absolutely. Even things like um, part of the the sort of group that I'm in at the gym, um, we have a secret Facebook group and we share our food every day. And even over the holidays, when we all kind of stopped doing it, I was still doing it because it was just, it became habit, but it was what I needed to keep me on track. Mm. And
1: it's interesting, you know, we talk about just stepping on the scales That was something that was eye-opening when, when I was chatting to you about what we were going to talk about uh, on the programme this morning um, You revealed that actually you'd never been able to see how much you weighed before Because you couldn't find any set of weighing scales that
5: went high enough Yeah, that's right, there was a, a point where the scales that I had at home stopped working And not because they were broken, it was because I was too heavy for them Just came up saying, error <laughs> one at a time please that kind of thing so i had a hospital appointment one day and they wanted to weigh me and um, i stepped on the scales um in the in the sort of consultation room and a, the same thing happened it said there was an error so um they called for some other scales to be brought through and they were built into a seat um and they obviously had a sort of higher capacity and again, I was just, I was so embarrassed. The fact they'd had to bring in this special equipment, basically, to try and weigh me, which seems like such a normal thing to happen when you go to the doctor, that to bring these special scales in.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talk about that, that that, that sort of embarrassment, Matt, and, and, and obviously we've, we've chatted about why, you know, why you got to that size, because mm-hmm. you just ate. Yeah. But there's a text here from Jim. He says, Rob, my wife Beverly suffers from hernias in her stomach and she sometimes struggles to put on seatbelts and aeroplanes, like you talked about. She says a lot of people just think she's fat, and still we start talking to them and explain her condition. That's from uh, Jim McLaughlin. who's actually uh, texted in from from Kettering in Northampton. We've gone intercontinental on this program <laughs> right. this, this morning. Um, but but that's the thing as well, because you know people, people can be fat for all sorts of reasons. They can be fat because they spend a hundred quid a week on takeaways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, or they may have but, another underlying yeah.
5: reason and you know you should never just don't judge a book by its cover is the the old adage i guess and it and it kind of ring trues here as well doesn't it you've no idea what the the reasons may be and and it's all very well to sort of look at somebody and go well they're fat they obviously don't care about themselves or they don't care about their body or they eat too much they're greedy whatever it may be you're making loads of assumptions but actually that person may have already lost a lot of weight you know somebody may look at me now weighing 20 stone and think Oh, he's let himself go, but not realise actually that I'm on the downward spiral at the moment. I'm I'm still losing weight, so you know.
1: Yeah, and it be you've, nice. You've you've talked and and written uh, about you know that that secret shame of knowing that people are looking at you and mm-hmm. and what they're thinking, but mm-hmm. that must be so much worse if if like you know like Jim and his wife Beverly, you're like dying to tell them no, it's not because I'm just stuffing my face the whole day.
5: You know, there's 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 a reason. I know, this. and it, and it, and it's, and you could say well. Don't care what other people think, but obviously everybody does care what other people think, and it's really hard. So yeah, that's that's not nice.
1: Yeah, if if you uh, if, if you're being uh, feeling a connection to anything that uh, that Davey is talking about, um, still time to to join us on the program. The numbers o triple three twenty twenty four zero one. We'd love you to be part of the conversation. Um, Davey, I, I mentioned that um, you, your your blog. Inspiration with with two Ds is not just uh, about the, these blog posts about your your losing weight. Uh, you've got a lot of recipes on there as well. Uh, have you have you become um, one of these sort of uh, celebrity chef type people who's just obsessed yeah, with cooking now?
5: I'm the new Joel Wicks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't cook before. Like, I couldn't cook. I would buy things that you could heat up. I was a heater-upper rather than a cook before, and that's what I did the times that I wasn't phoning the takeaway or ordering online. I was... It was ding-ding dinners. Yeah, exactly. You can chuck in the microwave or or chuck it in the oven for half an hour or whatever, whereas now I actually spend quite a bit of time just sort of working out what I'm going to have to eat the next week and planning it and, and making stuff. Like, last week I had nice gammon steaks with, like, a creamy leek mushroom and mustard sauce. Now, making a sauce from scratch... Six months ago, a year ago, that's not something I would have done. But I'm now doing things like that, you know, making risottos, chilies, curries, loads of pasta dishes, things like that. And actually, I really enjoy it. It's, I, It makes sense. I like eating, so why would I not like cooking? Yeah, but before, it's just something I've never done. Because a lot of people, and you, you, you speak to people, the, the
1: beastie campaigners, that they, they, what comes up all the time is that people have just generally... Lost, lost the ability to cook, or they don't. Mm-hmm. Or they say they don't have time. They they think it's too expensive. Uh, they blame lack of cookery classes in schools. All sorts of reasons people quote, but it just comes back to the fact that people just don't want to cook themselves or can't
5: cook themselves. Absolutely, and I live on my own, so making a meal for one is sometimes tricky. To do that every single night and then keep your portion small because you end up making loads and you think, oh, I'll keep some of that for tomorrow, and before you know it you've had the leftovers already so you've eaten two dinners instead of one so what I do is I plan my food in advance I go and shop for the entire week in one go I take it home, normally do this on a Sunday I'll then cook my, um, like a pan of soup to do my lunches for the whole week and then I'll cook my meals for the week and... Um, and then stick them in the freezer because I can't eat them if they're in the freezer.
1: <laughs> that's a very good tip.
5: I've <laughs> so never thought of that one. And then one day at a time, every night, I take one out of the freezer and put it in the fridge and then it's defrosted by the time I get home from work and then it goes in the microwave and it's done. That's that's, that's a genius idea. <laughs> it just takes away the temptation. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's temptation
1: and, and everything that's coming through all the time in what you're saying is it's just about Control and self-control, and that—that's that's like that kind of thing, where you're the sort of victim-blaming thing, and saying it's just because you've got no willpower, but. But you do have to have willpower to do this, there's no getting away from it, is there?
5: A hundred percent and there was um, a series on TV recently with one of the celebrity chefs and he was sort of cooking stuff to help you lose weight and one of the recipes he did was like for 12 breakfast muffins and I was like, show me a fat person that can cook 12 muffins and not eat them all in one go, like who's going to have one at a time? So I thought that was just a waste of time, but you know, that's what it is for me, it's about being able to control it. That's why I stick it in the freezer and I just don't have anything in the house that can be eaten there and then because it's not going to end well.
1: That's my one takeaway thing from this show. (laughs) Boom, boom. (laughs) The only takeaway, Rob, the only takeaway. Exercise as well. Um, You've, you know, it wasn't just about the food, you decided to get involved in exercise to,
5: you know, give us us a quick flavour of that. 100%. So um, my personal trainer, uh, Jamie Tulloch, he ran a programme called Man Up and it was aimed at guys like me who were sort of busy at work and didn't have time to do it and he sort of guided us through the process and I now go to the gym five times a week. I'm stronger than I've ever been, fitter than I've ever been and yeah it's made a massive difference. And
1: uh, we can hear the the music tinkling away in the background. We're we're about to be chucked off the airwaves. One last plug for the blog. I'd recommend it to to everybody to go and have a look at. Uh, Remind us of the address. It's dinspiration.com and that's dinspiration with two n's. That's brilliant, Davey, Thank you so much for for coming on air this morning, being being so honest. Um, I, I hope that maybe it's provided some some inspiration as as well, and uh, for for people who who are kind of in in your situation, who you know, who had that so that secret shame when you when you get the looks, you know, all the time. Maybe maybe it'll it'll make them think that it's it's not hopeless. That there's something you can do. They've got somewhere to turn now online, and if uh, if you want to sign up for befriending as well, go to the news pages of our website, fill it in there. This has been Scotland's talking. See you next week.